Hey, good morning, guys. Here we are. I'm Randall Lobb, the uh, co-writer, co-director of Rob. What You're is it called? You're the co-writer, co-director of uh, Rob. Say it. Say it. I like the way you say it. What do, what do I say? Power of Grayskull! The power of Grayskull, <laughs> the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I thought you were going to do the... I have the power. Did I just mix up Gandalf and He-Man? No, no. You're, 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 thou shalt not pass. Yeah, I think I did. I actually was Gandalf holding up the power sword. Sorry, guys. And I think for ease, Rand, you're the writer-director. I'm the writer-director. This whole co-business, we get it. Forget it's the co. For us. Forget Just, the co. Yeah, we get it. There's no you co. You can introduce yourself as that. I can introduce myself my, as that. We get we are, where we are. My uh, my title is irrelevant. My name is Randall.lob at fopop.heman.co.uk. <laughs> and uh, that's not, don't don't respond to that. That's on your birth certificate, so it's mm -hmm. it's fitting that it's come full circle mm -hmm. from birth to possibly death with this documentary. I hope I, I hope not. I've been <laughs> I've been through so much with this name, Randall Lobb from Faux Pop, Faux Pop Media up here in sunny downtown Canada, and please introduce yourselves, guys. <laughs> well, I'm Rob McCallum from sunny and dry Las Vegas. Um, just waking up on a nice Sunday morning to have this chat with you, fellas. And Randall, we are joined by a friend that you've had a lot of dealings with That's and right. somebody that I got to chat with while we were getting all set up on the tech side. And I'm jealous of his toy collection in the background. <laughs> uh, we're here with Tom from Toy Lines. Tom, tell us a little about yourself. Say hi to everyone watching. There he is. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Tom Romero I'm with ToyLines.com. I've been an uh, avid He-Man fan since birth. Uh, ever since I saw the filmation cartoon, I just fell in love, and then it's only grown since I started collecting the action figures. I was fortunate enough to have a great family to, you know, support my He-Man habit at <laughs> such a young age. Uh, so they're enablers, is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. God bless. I like it. I like it. I like it. Good for you. So Tom, Tom, and I, uh, we bumped into each other online. Um, that didn't come out right at all. <laughs> Tom sent Tom sent me an email out of the blue when we were doing Turtle Power and before it was sold when we were still trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, famously, Michael Bay came up at the Nickelodeon upfronts and he got a kind of a firestorm of controversy set up when he said, um, in so many words, the turtles are aliens and people started freaking out. So we saw that as a good time for us to get some of our information out there. We put up the website and a teaser. And I don't think, Tom, it was very long before you contacted me, was it, after that? No. no uh, yeah, once we saw the website, I was like, I have to interview these guys. I mean, they're, they're making history. They're you know, telling the origin of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, we have the to get... The to correct it. origin at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think what, well, what happened was Michael Bay, he misspoke. He, I don't think he intended to say the turtles were, were something other than mutants, but, you know, it's all speculation. Anyway, as always, with fan of uh, fan excitement of any sort, it can turn in a heartbeat, and it turned on him, and we tried to jump in there and let people know, hey, don't worry, here's the history, and that's when we started this idea of the definitive history, and kind of in response to that, and as I say, Tom was very quick to send an email and say, would you guys be interested in talking, and and uh, we did an interview for, for your website, which toylines.com, toy-lines.com. Right. And here we are again. This is the third one now because we spoke to you again uh, right after Turtle Power came out in August of 2014. And now Toy Lines, toy-lines is going to have another interview. And we've got Rob in there. And Rob, why don't you, uh, why don't you just give Tom your background if you haven't already? Uh, well, off off mic we did. Yeah, I've been you know making movies in some capacity for the last fifteen years. Uh, just Nintendo Quest is the most recent one to make the rounds. It's only been really out for a month, and it's still got a huge future ahead of itself in terms of what platforms and its rollout strategy. So that's really exciting. And of course, it's Turtle Power that got me connected with Faux Pop Media. Um, they had done an Isaac specifically had done an interview with this Facebook group that I knew of called Turtle Flakes. And I saw that it was mentioned in that interview that he was from Brantford, Ontario, or thereabouts around there. I'm like, wait a second, I'm from London, Ontario, which is about an hour or so away. I should talk to this guy because he likes pop culture stuff like I do. And it was floated during that very first chat 
hey man, we should do a He-Man documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're yeah, the yeah, problem. Okay, okay, okay. And then uh, flash forward to Nintendo Quest finally being finished. Turtle Power been out, you know, about a year, and we started talking. Yeah. And he dared to introduce me to Mark and Randall, and the discussions started happening. And he said, hey, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we try this? Let's see where it's going. They had a great thing going with Definitive History. Of course, they got a Riddle of Steel coming out and uh, Shenmue Doc as well mm -hmm. that chronicles all that stuff, which mm -hmm. is great. So they have this ongoing series of these great pop culture franchises. And in some respects, I'd be a fool not to kind of jump in and learn from what these guys have built and what they plan to do going forward. Well, that's very kind of you to word it like that. Well, I mean, in reality, you guys have done things that I've, always aspire to do as a filmmaker, right? So I've just been kind of doing, we talk about the grassroots side, kind yeah. of cobbling it together, building that small army. And I remember we said, maybe we should try to do a teaser trailer for this He-Man documentary for the hometown screening in Nintendo Quest, just to see what people would think. Wow. Right. And, and I think 48 hours later, the internet was set on fire, and all of a sudden, everybody that had some sort of passion or connection to He-Man yeah. was reaching <clears throat> out to us, and it caught me off guard. <laughs> Yeah, and me too. Um, when when I go into these uh, the subject matter in question, I'll be honest. I don't always come in as a straight up fan. I come in as a little more, and this sounds awful to say it, but a little more academic in a sense. Like I'm curious about these franchises from a, a, a wider perspective. And I don't know if you know this, Tom, but I'm a. I've been teaching 25 years, so. As oh, yeah. a as a teacher, yeah, I've taught media and I've always taught the, you know the history of pop culture in in music and movies and television and and in comic books and and any aspect of pop culture. So, well, I kind of remember you um, when you first heard about the turtle documentary, you almost weren't going to be a part of it. That is a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah, the documentary work that my partner Mark and I had done before, uh, we dealt with Cambodian landmines. Uh, a teacher who had been damaged by a Cambodian landmine and uh, Canadian military in Afghanistan and, you know, really dark stuff. And when Isaac approached us, <clears throat> I, I actually, I was worried because these IP are so big and you guys know this very well. And Rob and I have talked about this at some length, you know, in our, not just Rob and I, but the four of us who are making this, this stock. Um, there are a lot of people who have stake in these things and big business and studios and fans, and they're so tied up with people's pre-existing beliefs and monetary stakeholder you know, concerns, and you eventually get to a point where you think, this is really going to be a deep dive, and I didn't know if I was ready to commit the what turned out to be five, six years on it, and um, it was well worth it because, of course, we learned so much, and we got to meet nice people like you, but we should say, this is actually, although it's our chasing he-man podcast this is actually your interview isn't it tom yeah, yeah we we've stolen uh episode two of chasing grayskull all that <laughs> oh sorry i said chasing he-man yes well, that's okay chasing grayskull Thank episode you, two tom you set this up and we just kind of stole the thunder but hey this is where oh, you're helping us out and we hope to see you on several more chasing grayskulls oh yeah oh absolutely thank you um so well, i guess we, let's turn it over to you since this is your show yeah <laughs> yeah um so getting back, um, so <clears throat> you just got off Nintendo Quest. You met uh, Randall and those guys. Where, like, where did you get come up with He Man? Just like random, or well, like I said, I had talked to Isaac as soon as Turtle Power was released, and you could buy it on, on disc. So I had bought it. I watched it literally about nine times. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's not even an exaggeration. I liked it that much. But well, as a documentary filmmaker, I like to kind of break down the structure and see all the little things that people are doing. And then I talked to Isaac. And if there's one toy, cartoon, kind of pop culture franchise that I would like to do, it, it's been He-Man. And it, it had been something toiling in the back of my head ever since Nintendo Quest was you know, received so well. It's like, well, if people love Nintendo, and I'm talking specifically the NES era, 85, what else from that same era could I do right. a documentary on so that and that's where it started so i kind of loosely pitched him what if we did this and then the ideas rolled around i think in both of our heads until we finally kind of came together and even when randall and mark and isaac and i got together there were many different versions of what this documentary could mm -hmm. be and ultimately the response dictated certain things and the direction that made the most sense dictated other things so it's 
at the time, it's it's going to be an awesome, definitive, ultimate look at everything He-Man and Masters. And in wow. my case, Tom, I uh, was worried about He-Man. Um, mm. He-Man, for some people, um, the more you learn about He-Man, the more you find out that there is a version of the history that has kind of got some controversy around it. And I'm always trying to stay very positive in the docs. And I was a little bit afraid. I shouldn't say afraid. I just felt like, oh, man, until there's a reboot coming, it's it's going to be complex. And then, of course, that I don't think it was, was it even May that that started where um, yeah. there was information was, released? Yeah, the, the script page was tweeted yeah. out and... Yeah, so the idea of this reboot becoming more than just a rumor was becoming more and yeah. more concrete. So if you look at what happened with Turtle Power, these guys doing their stuff, marching towards the inevitable Michael Bay announcement with yeah. what's going on in that release, you can see the parallels that we hope to achieve with uh, Power of Grayskull. And that's what it is, Tommy, for me, that that's what turns the uh, the IP around is when there's other stuff happening then the risk is kind of worth it. And then there's a lot of energy. As I say, there's, if there's a legal muckery in the background, once there's a reboot coming, the energy is all pointing forward. And then you can get in with that, and people are less likely to say, hey, man, don't be messing around in He-Man right now. You know what I mean? There's, right. there's forward motion. And, and that's all, to me, that's always important. Now, Rob and Isaac in particular, I think it's, it's right in your sweet spot, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, it's... Uh... <clears throat> It, like you, Tom, it's, it's part of our DNA growing up. There's just something that speaks to us about this. And that's where it all started for us as filmmakers. It's what is that? So the big question that we've been floating around is what is the power of Grayskull from however you want to look at it to something that's in canon to something that's affected fans? What is the power of Grayskull? So it, and that's a complex answer, I think. Very much so. How, uh, how far have you gotten so far? Like, is it still in pre-production or? Oh, it's done. We just have to film it. <laughs> <laughs> Development is complex on this one in a way. We're just trying to line up resources and okay. we're trying to get people interested. And um, I mean, I could drop a bomb on Rob right now. Um, um, Mattel reached out to me just the oh, last few wow. days. No and big deal. And would like to talk. So <laughs> <clears throat> what the hardest part right now there are a couple ways to approach any documentary. You can just dive in and start building a documentary. And that's a great way to go because that's how kids learn to swim. Throw them in the water and they're building it. You can build the documentary as Rob did with Nintendo Quest and say, this is not authorized, but that's not relevant to the documentary that he's making. He's making a documentary where the subject matter is beside the IP in question, right? It's the story of Jay. And the story of Rob and Jay and the challenge. And then there's the kind of documentary where I think Rob and I agree, and Isaac and Mark, we want to do a documentary that serves all the people in the chain, the fans, those who are rebooting He-Man, those who have, you know, Mattel, who has a stake in He-Man. And, and you want to tell that really complete, definitive story. And so that that's a very big process. And we have a lot of stuff that has to be lined up. And we've begun that process. And, and Rob, I, I won't speak for him here. He'll speak to this. But he's reaching out to a, an enormous and powerful fan community. And we're all reaching out to the artists and the business folk. And, I mean, it's just, it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Like I said, the reaction that the fan base has had to the announcement has been huge. Um, and it happened a lot sooner than we expected. We thought we'd have a cozy three to four months to start gathering some contacts and build that filming schedule. And then all of a sudden, this just hit like an atomic blast. Wow. And people started t contacting us. Usually, it's the filmmakers going like crazy yeah. to try to get other people on board. But this has been 50-50 people approaching us, us approaching them, if not more people coming to us and saying, this is who you got to get in contact with. Here's who here's here to go through. And that's been great. And I think a lot of that is because of what uh, Full Pop did with Turtle Power as a proof of concept that say, these guys know what they're doing. And maybe a little bit of you know people trusting what I can do with Nintendo Quest. But uh, what these guys have done with the Definitive Series has been a huge kind of flag to say, we know what we're doing. For sure, it's both. So, it's both. Has there been any resistance at all? Like, um, like I've heard in the past, Roger Sweet, who is one of the people that claimed he created He-Man, 
you know, he gave uh, a few interviewees like a hard time. Mm-hmm. We've, like seen, that or? we've seen none of that. Oh, good. The yeah, only everybody resistance. that wants to be on board. <laughs> it's yeah. been again. We can't at this at this point. It, this is probably going to be a six year process as well because we have so many people to yeah. include. And as you know, Tom, the canon is all over the place. There's the cartoon, <clears throat> the the bios. The mini comics, um, the DC comics, the Marvel comics, the new adventures, it all is different. So so can we talk about who you've interviewed so far? Like, we yeah. haven't interviewed anybody, Tom. We're, oh. st- we're, we're We've building you. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've, You're the first. I had a, a nice talk with Cam Clark. Um, that was some. We knew Cam from Turtle Power and, and met up with Tam in London. Uh, Tam. Cam in London. And... The idea behind uh, Cam Clark is the voice actor for uh, he did Leonardo and then he yeah. moved on to 2000X He Man. Yeah, yes. Adam and He Man. Yeah. Right. So we met up with him. Rob, unfortunately, Rob wasn't able to be there, but we we would have interviewed Cam, but it was very pressed, and we're going to see him in LA, and he's excited about talking about and giving us a lot of time, and we have a good relationship with him. Um, you want to talk about some of the people you've had good conversations with, Rob? And and, and well, then one of the ones that. that we when we first the weekend we announced it was Jason Moore, who of course founded HeMan.org. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, and he right now is uh, doing some work on our initial teaser image. I would say the poster image, which is pretty cool. So we're going to work with him, which is cool because he's a great comic book artist, but he also has that connection to the He-Man world. So being able to kind of make use of his amazing skills and his love for that brand is just that, you know, it's that awesome combination. So we've reached out to a lot of people, um, Val Staples, of course, and He-Man.org, uh, John Atkins and yeah. He-Man World. Um, I'd say we're very it, friendly with those guys. Yep. Yeah, we've talked to people from Filmation. Uh, we have voice actors, kind of leads on those people. The sculptors, the four horsemen are on board. Um, it, it, every iteration from every era, we have the key people, the boots on the grounds. And this is where we're going to have fun with you. I'm just going to say, you're, wait till we launch our Kickstarter because then we'll have some names there that'll get you excited. Okay. But with the people we've, we, we've assembled... It's hard not to say that this won't be the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Very mm-hmm. nice. I can yeah. tell you this, uh, Tom. I had a really nice talk with Erica Scheimer. And, oh. uh, yeah, that was that was really good. Uh, we talked for quite a while and, and really hit it off. Again, it's one of these times where this is the, this is the relationship building that comes into play later. Right. Um, if we don't do that really nicely now, if, if we just walk in and go down a list of points asking questions... That doesn't get us, that's not a definitive interview. You know what I mean? A definitive interview would be that we come in and make a connection with people and we talk to them and we have uh, the kind of relationship where when you see someone on camera talking, you're seeing them really talk to us, that you're really seeing them, not just deliver responses and cans, uh, canned um, uh, you know, answers they've used for years and years. You're right. seeing them really think about what they're saying and, and talk to us as people. And that's very important. So before we do any interviews, we have to go through this process of just familiar, familiarizing ourselves with everyone and becoming as friendly as we can with them. Well, no big deal, Randall. Off mic, Tom said, oh, you know, I spoke with Lou Scheimer. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, well, Tom, wow. let me go bend down and pick that name you just <laughs> dropped on the ground. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I was fortunate enough. I, I was I met Lou and and his daughter Erica. I mean, yeah. they're the greatest people on earth. I mean, she's she's super nice. She is. I mean, they. This is kind of weird me saying this on this you know reference, but uh, I remember one time when I met them, they asked what I did for a living. And at the time, I was a deputy sheriff, and I'll never forget what he said. He's like, "Oh, you save people just like he man." <laughs> Wow. Now, that's just what you want to hear. I, I mean, I was on the floor. I was practically in tears. I was like, my, you know, I did it. You know, this is, I'm ready to die now. You know, I. Well, oh, don't die, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Not allowed. But yeah, I mean, that was, that, that meant so much to me. That's really great. Well, you know what? She said something about her dad that 
I think probably everybody knows. I mean, anyone could go to Wikipedia and read about him, that he was a good guy, that, you know, they, some people say this is apocryphal, but apparently his father had to leave Germany because he punched Hitler in the face. And, you know, what she said was he is himself responsible for building the values into He-Man, that that was super important to him. And him personally, he would never be involved in something that didn't have a really serious integrity to it. And he was, it was very important to him that the uh, moral lessons and the, you know, the idea of being a good person were baked into whatever he was involved in. He is a very moral, very good person. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, let's move over to crowdfunding. Now, you're using Kickstarter as opposed to like other, you know, GoFundMe or anything like that. Is there a reason why you chose Kickstarter or? Yeah, I think uh, Kickstarter is, you know, the most prolific crowdfunding platform. I think it's the most well known. I think that Kickstarter has the inherent stakes built into it that can really help unify the fan base. It's all or nothing. Indiegogo has that option, but that's not what it's known for. Everybody knows for something that goes on Kickstarter, you have to hit that goal to get there. So it's a rallying call, you know. Mm -hmm. We can all do this together. We can all be part of it from day one. And I think that's really important. And when you take a a concept like He-Man and this fan community, we all want to see the best kind of thing possible. So why not let the fans help us do this and help us guide the version of our final product? one of the things you'll see on, on Kickstarter, and we've talked extensively about it internally, is the most saleable form of this film is a 90-minute to 100-minute documentary. But we want to expand that because fans want something longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want that two-hour, that two-and-a-half-hour. So we're going to hopefully have stretch goals that if we raise above and beyond the base goal that would trigger that 90-minute version... We can do the two-hour version for the fans, you know, and that might just be on disc that goes to Kickstarter backers. So you won't see that version anywhere ever again unless you're a Kickstarter backer. And we really learned that from Turtle Power, Tom. If you remember, one of the few criticisms we had with Turtle Power was that it wasn't long enough, that it didn't have enough bonus materials or that we, you know, I wouldn't say we're forced, but we had, we couldn't hit everything, you know, and that, and that, that really... I wouldn't say it stung because we knew it was coming, but it was frustrating when you have 200 and some hours of material to choose from. Oh we- yeah, I remember our last interview. Uh, you had enough. Uh, you had enough uh, items to create a whole other documentary just on the first Turtles movie. I wonder who's in discussions with Paramount now, trying to. I don't know, but that would change. be a really good idea if somebody was in discussions with Paramount. If only to maybe somebody do a, was a follow-up, trying to talk to. Yeah, that, that would that would be that would be great. I wonder if that was happening. Um, trying, somebody little, must be trying somewhere. Yeah, probably drinks tea. But yeah, nervously. so kick, Kickstarter as opposed to like GoFundMe and Indiegogo because it's a rallying call. And Kickstarter um, is where uh, the pop culture fans are too, right? Indiegogo tends to get film fans, like people who are film buffs in a way. Whereas I think Kickstarter gets a lot of the pop culture people who wouldn't necessarily be big big film buffs necessarily. You know. And I, and I th- I really want to hammer the point home that even though we have these great contacts and this potential documentary ahead, if we don't raise that base goal, we can't make this yeah. movie. Whereas Indiegogo and GoFundMe is like, oh, just give me money to help me make this movie I'm already going to do. You know, it's a different philosophy. If we don't hit that goal, we can't make this movie and all is for naught. And you know what? That's okay. That's business. Maybe we shouldn't make a movie if the fan demand isn't there for it because if the yeah. fans don't buy into it, then there is no reason to make it. So this is where we really need the support. We want to do it. We want to put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. And for the most part, we're just asking people to kind of pre-order their copy of the film ahead of time. Now, there are going to be some very, very cool exclusive Kickstarter rewards, like I said, the extended versions. What? Yeah, it's true, Randall. We got some pretty cool things cooked up, I would say. But nothing Um, toy-like or action figures or anything like that. There may be some toy and action figure like uh, rewards that are out there where it's weird. That's weird. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna just kind of leave it at that. But nothing the, exclusive. Nothing exclusive. No. Oh, it wouldn't be anything kind no. of exclusive, one of a kind no. kind of no, no, opportunities, no. chance in a lifetime. They'd be that's nothing like that. That would be ridiculous. Not with the people that we've got connections with and what we're trying to do. It wouldn't be anything like that. But it would be cool maybe if that was the case. Oh my god, that'd be amazing if only yeah. that were true. If only. 
Now, uh, will you be solving any uh, He-Man mysteries with this documentary? Actually, that's uh, I, I, uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, that's a, a series we're pitching right now. He-Man mysteries, yeah. where um, He-Man it's Scooby-Doo meets He-Man. That's, <laughs> there as it far is. as you know, like the origin of Wondar, or uh, you know, where um, the Fuego T characters, you know, came from. I think all these kind of play into into the broader scope. I, I think the real mystery is what is the history of He-Man and and how do all these other little snippets and slices fit into that? So solving the, the grand prize will in yeah. turn trickle down and we'll get other answers and stuff like that. So whether it's Wonder and the Wonder Bread connection or lack thereof or the Fuego stuff or what canon is the true canon um, and even the broader question, you know, what is the power of Grayskull that everybody seems to want and go after? And I would say this, it would be a great time for someone like you to send us the email looking, you know, can you find out about this? And everybody should feel that. Any fan, that was a terrifying noise, any fan who wants to send us questions, you know, to... Please do. Yeah, try and get us to poke into the area that most concerns you. Send those questions in. We're, yeah, we're definitely uh, into, into that. We have our perspective, of course, but this is a doc for fans, yeah. hence us going to Kickstarter. So, Tom, I'm going to turn the tables on you okay. and interrupt your line of questioning. Sure. What would you like to see in a definitive history of He-Man documentary? Uh, really, the origin of Wondar, the Wonder Bread connection. Um, maybe we can figure out, you know, how or even connect Conan to He-Man. Oh, that one! Right. That one we're doing for sure. Yeah, because you I, know I we're will, doing. A I will doc say on, on the Wonder front, we have connected with somebody whose dad worked at Wonder Bread during the He-Man era. Wow! But uh, another thing I also wanted to pick up now: Shira, New Adventures. Now, in the grand scheme of things, so far they've only kind of been a footnote. Like you know, you know, He-Man had a twin sister, and then He-Man went off to space, but you know. Let's go back to Eternia. Now, will you guys give her, like, will, will She-Ra and New Adventures be prominently featured in this documentary? So, Tom, do you remember remember the answer I gave you off mic when you asked us about what the finished film would look like? Okay. I said something along the lines, it depends on the footage, what we get, and what that final film could look like. Okay. Uh, Rand, I'll let you chime in on She-Ra because this yeah. is one thing that you and I are equally, like, really excited about. It's it's always and I've said it probably too many times. People are tired of hearing about it. You know, the three of us um, are three white guys. If you think about what a nerd looks like, it's a white guy who collects comics. A white guy who does. Everybody thinks it's white guys. Well, right now, fifty percent of all gamers, fifty-one percent are women, fifty percent of all comic readers are women, fifty percent of the world, it's women. So we would be crazy not to serve an audience that wants to see the pop culture things that are important to them or influential to them and or meaningful to them. So we have to look at She-Ra. We have to say, here's a character that was designed for reasons that are more than just commercial. You know, this uh, powerful female character that many little girls saw at a crucial time. Uh, I mean, my partner, our partner, Mark Hussey's wife was a huge He-Man fan, and I would say, I don't know this for a fact, but one of the things that would pull a young girl into that universe is seeing She-Ra and seeing how powerful she is. So it would be a terrible mistake not to serve that. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge, huge She-Ra fan. So I don't want it to be... And The Secret of the Sword came out, and then they made plans for the live-action movie. That would be horrible. And after that, He-Man went to space. And in 2001... Development started. No, we. It's it's hard to break down what that pie chart looks like because yeah. of all the canons, but it's all so important. This is again, if you're a fan and our Kickstarter goes out there, we can do the 90 minute version that may have a five to seven minute section on Shira, and I'm just guessing what it could be in the grand scope. We don't know, no but if we to get know. to do that two hour, that two and a half hour version or that two-hour version of the DVD, and then there's extra featurettes that are like mini-documentaries or extended scenes, and one of them is like just on Shira, and it's 25 minutes long. Sure, wouldn't that be great to kind of see what we've got, even though the main film only has this chunk in it, but if we can expand upon it because the fans want to see it, 
then we will absolutely do it. We don't want to make the Black Widow Marvel mistake. Um, it to me that's a huge. When I watch the Avengers, I want to see a, a Black Widow movie. I think kids want a Black Widow action figure, and there's a mistake being made sometimes by looking at the market and saying the market's not there for these things. Not true. I mean, and that's unfortunate because on Netflix, Marvel released an amazing animated team up between Black Widow and Punisher, which is fantastic. And if they would have done, or if they would do a Black Widow feature oh, film man. like that, not even a team up, but just that style, it'd be awesome. I mean, look at Jessica Jones, right? Like, oh, that's everybody's excited. Idea. Everybody's excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, She-Ra is very important. And how will we talk about her? My gut right now would be we'll talk about it, her in a way that is serving the concept, like the importance of that character and how meaningful it is to have that representation. But, you know, then there's the canon aspect and Rob's in a better place to speak to this. You know, how is she important to the story structure and how does she work in terms of filling out certain aspects of the switch? I, I mean, you described the sort of the He-Man and He-Man, you know what I mean? The two yeah. chunks or however you would word it. I think she's such just an integral character because it makes He-Man question who he is by seeing somebody else who possesses the same kind of powers as him. Most heroes are defined by their villains by making the choices that the hero or that the villains will make, but the hero will never make. Batman won't make the choices that the Joker makes. So He-Man has always defined himself by not doing or going to the lengths of Skeletor. Now he has an opportunity to define himself by what his sister, someone imbued with the same power on the same moral path, can do. And I think it's also important to talk about it in the height of He-Man, the fact that they're going to spin an entire, you know, female version of that out there at the height of everything. So I think that's really important. Isn't there a DC comic of She-Ra yeah. right now? I'm just Googling uh, they, were, they did a bunch of one-shots where they kind of twisted the origin of Shira, which was pretty well received, I think. Yeah, the Eternity War. Yeah, yeah. and it's going on. Yeah. So that just shows, I mean, it's, it's, it's a character, she's a character that deserves to be looked at for sure. Yeah. yeah, Eternity War. And uh, as far as new adventures. Oh, yeah, we definitely want to yeah. turn our eye to new adventures. I know we've got, we mentioned uh, in our first episode of Chasing Grayskull. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that, go back. You can check it out on iTunes. Just search Chasing Grayskull. Uh, we, we talked with the showrunner, Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to mess up his last name, and I Olesker. apologize. Olesker. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. we talked with him, and he gave us a pretty cool breakdown of what happened and, and the idea behind it. And like you said, funny enough in your question setup, it's always back to Eternia. Yeah. And I think that was some of his designs. He wanted yes. it to come back to Eternia after going to Primus and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got to be looked at because it's sort of a... It, it, there was more to it, let's put it that way. There was a lot of stuff that was designed to be a long play. And, yeah. And it's definitely in there. It's in New Adventures. And, and it's crazy, like you say, it's it's a footnote, Tom. But it had, what, like 65 episodes? Yeah. It's half as long as the original season. I mean, it's not short, but people act like it's a 13-episode run. You know? Like, it's like, oh, we don't don't count that. But it's a continuation of the story. It's not a brand-new reboot. It starts on Eternia with He-Man revealing his identity as Prince Adam to the king and queen and going forth based on that. So it's important. I mean, that's a huge important story note in canon, right? At what point can a hero reveal himself to the people he said he never would? Right. And even uh, even with the mini comics now that are being packaged with classics, it goes back to, you know, he comes back from space and now he's King He-Man. Yeah. So, well, that's good. Um, so we'll get into some lighter stuff. So who who's your favorite He-Man characters? Like who Grant. you? Who do you want to focus on, you know, throughout the line? I think I think people can hear it. It for me, it's Shira, the character of Shira. Um, I'm super interested in characters like Black Widow and Wonder Woman and Power Girl and Ms. Marvel, and it's part of it's my age. I didn't, you know, I I was never playing with these toys. I was I missed all of the, the experience. Isaac always says when I was a kid, he said you never played, <laughs> which. Is in a way, it's true. We had, it was a different kind of world when I was a kid. It was like sticks and rocks and knives and stuff that kids aren't allowed to do now. So I'm interested in these female characters of strength. Yes, I have a daughter. Yes, I have a wife. Uh, yes, I support 
whatever equal rights for men, women, black people, whatever, you name the color or type, I'm interested in that. So from a social perspective, I'm very interested in She-Ra. I'm interested in how this character, I mean, look at the name, He-Man. It's like man-man, guy-man, man-guy. You know, it's uh, so (laughs) overt. The definitive history of (laughs) man-guy. So then you have She-Ra and you throw her in there and now there's a real... How do we do this? I can see if I was in a story room and we were sitting around talking about that character, I'd say we've created this very male thing. How do we bring this female energy in and how do we serve it properly? And you think about that, it's it's very powerful and interesting. So she's I think she's a very interesting character in that regard. And I and I think there's a lot of illusions too that see He-Man compared to Superman. Obviously, He-Man's first comic appearance is against Superman, right? Mm-hmm. You know that DC presents number forty-seven, right? And you're reaching mm-hmm. for it right now. I could tell. Look at you. you know. <laughs> Get it ready. There you go. It's look an 8.0. 8.0. No 8. big deal. Just over there. How um, did you have so that there? I, I'm sure at one point they're like, "Well, is She-Ra like Wonder Woman then?" And I think she's completely different. You know, yeah, there's oh, so agree. many parallels. Very different, very different. So I, I think that's super interesting. The one character I love, you know, Tom, we talked about it, and that's that dragon that's, you know, flanked over your right shoulder on the left side of the screen is Granamere. He's been around on Eternia for ages. So if I had this awesome wish list, and I'm pitching it right now, wouldn't it be cool if this documentary bookend with Granamere speaking, telling the legend of He-Man? <clears throat> yeah. You know, ages ago, there was a warrior on, on, on Eternia, but what is the full story for that? And he's also voiced by John Irwin, who did, of course, He-Man as well. I can tell you what character I've never been a fan of. Uh-oh. Orko. Okay, well, you see, that's where we differ. <laughs> see, this is where we're going to have problems. Well, this Orko is part is great. of Part of Orko, it is my Orko age. Orko is the Robin. He's the window yes, character. Yes, that's right? true. But I, I've always had problems with what I... It's like... Um, the goofy sidekick. The Iago in Aladdin. Sure. Right? And I always Starf felt like... In Thundercats. That's right. Uh, blip in... Um, Jan and Jason, Blip, Space Ghost. Ah, How old am I? But what bothers me about that character is these things that are so interesting about the idea of a little boy looking at He-Man and wanting the power and the power of Grayskull, all that's very interesting to me. And then when I see Orko, I think, come on, don't be cute. Like, we don't need to have that. You guys are from a different era. You see it differently, and I understand it's it's missing for me. But And it also looks like Orko looks like another... I can't remember what it is. What what character looks like that? Is it an MGM, uh, Mary Melody's, um, a bit like Marvin the Martian, maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe. I can see that. Anyway. See, I like I like Orko because he's almost the antithesis of what Adam wants to be. He mm-hmm. came from Trala mm-hmm. as a great wizard and lost all his powers That's coming right. to Eternia. And he's coping with the <clears throat> ability that he's essentially reached his peak and has to reinvent his like life and his place in the world. Okay, well, that gives it more meaning for sure. <laughs> I've won I, you over on Orca. Well, I, you haven't won me over, but I do look <laughs> at it more from a, I feel like, why do they always have to put the cute thing in there, you know? Yeah. I, I find understand. it frustrating. I don't want cute things in my life. Well, it also goes back to the challenge of the writers and creators. I mean, during 2000X, if you really look at it, they just made fun of Mechanic like every other episode just because he extended his neck. That whole episode, man, Mechanic's lament. Like, what is my superpower? My neck grows. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now, Tom, you know about this. In in, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle history, there were these mutants that had ridiculous, like, you know, uh, what was the one? We we saw a whole bunch. I can't remember which one they pitched and didn't get, but like a guy whose arm is a pizza cutter and he shoots pizza. You know what I mean? Like, there was just so much of that. And that's kind of where I would step back and look at and say, okay, this is getting wild. And and I think He-Man went down that road a little bit too. I'm not criticizing He-Man fans. Don't be mad. And oh, when right. I say We're that, I'm talking to both of We're, you. We are in for it now. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. There's a certain element where I think, come on, guys, the stories are powerful. Let's... Anyway. Yeah, just put the challenge back on the writers and creators. Sure. Yeah, true that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to try and win this fight. I know I'm an old crust I'll admit it fully. We got to get you some playtime. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> Don't spit out your coffee. It's, yeah. Well, it's tea, so it would have been less dangerous. But you're right. No, it's true. I, I, I we're gonna, we're gonna play on the road, Randall. We're I, gonna I play, read. We're gonna play oh, on the road. I read old Yeller too young guys. It just <laughs> spoiled. You know they shoot him at the end. You know that. 
What? Spoiler. Spo- spoiler alert. Yeah, they oh. shoot him at the end. Ugh. Broke me. Right there. Broke me. Hey, Rob, I, you mentioned John Irwin. Has there been any attempt to contact him? Because he's one of those creators that are desperately shying away. I, I think you're right in calling him a creator. And one of the things we, we're talking about internally is like who is He-Man and what that means. Because uh, a lot of people are He-Man. And a lot of people mm-hmm. view who they are into the the franchise in, in different ways. I'm going to save that kind of thing for Kickstarter, man. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to play coy like that. I will say that these are all discussions we've had internally and in how to incorporate that. And we've talked to people about a lot of the different voice actors. Cam Clark was just somebody that we had kind of early access to mm-hmm. because of the Turtle Power connection. Okay. And it's it's really cool. I'm glad that we weren't limited to that rush schedule that yeah. Randall and, yeah. and the guys up there had with them at, at the press event and that we're going to be able to kind of spend more time with them. Um, but I, I think when you look at the most recent version of He-Man, you kind of have to look back at the first voice of He-Man. So I'll leave it at that, I think. Okay. I, and I'll jump in and say this. Don't forget John Irwin, just in a pop culture sense, is important, right? Yeah. I mean, he's... Yeah. The, he's the not, voice of a hero. Yeah. He's done a lot of stuff. And some of the things that he's done... Uh, you could probably sit down and talk to him for quite a while, put it that way. He's yeah. one of these guys who's done a lot of work. Now, um, since it's a Kickstarter, are you gonna? Are you still looking for a distributor, or will you be self-distributing? Or has that even become a topic yet? Well, I'm going to let Randall handle <laughs> this one. The, the way these things work, you build them. And if we were to go to get a distributor now, the distributor can't see anything. The distributor would say, what have you got? Are you guys any good? Is this going to work? They have a lot of questions. The more material we cut together, the more likely a distributor is going to say, these guys are making this whether we get in here or not. And that's what happens. We're building a train, and our train's going to go down a hill, and our train is going to add cars, and it's going to go faster and faster and faster. And by the time we've got speed, you can either get on the train and go where it's going, which is where the fans are, or you can watch the train rush by and you'll see all the cars going by. And every one of those cars is a piece of value that those fans want on the other end. So I think a distributor would say, before the train gets too heavy and too fast, maybe we better get in here. That's how I look at it. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Um, Yeah, I I don't really don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, we, we, we don't build a distributor in just yet. If somebody called and said, hey, guys, do you, want to, uh, do you want us to put this out? We'd probably say, okay, what, what does that mean? Yeah. You know? And I think we would have a different expectation of what the film would be this early for ourselves versus the value of what it would be once it's done, too. So Thanks. it's for both parties. A lot of people like to say distributors have a lack of imagination, in this industry, which is interesting, yeah. but they got to know what they're putting out there. For sure. It's a and business. I think that's fair. We see, Tom, just think about this. We see this thing as a tiny grain that builds and grows, right? We're, we're adding to it. The distributor really sees it as a product and they have no choice but to see it as a product. And the product just isn't there right yet. So we can't, we can't get them to buy it. To that end, we haven't tried. So maybe there's a He-Man fan sitting in some company who would say, I'm all over it. We just have not even reached out. Now, have you guys set a budget as far as your Kickstarter goal? I think Kickstarter will set a budget for us, won't it, Rob? Yeah, so we have an initial goal. And then, like I said, the stretch goals will dictate how the the film and or ancillary pieces that go with that film expand and evolve. Um, I think it would be... in line, if not maybe less than some other documentary adventures that have been out there. Yeah, these so. these docs can cost a lot of money. You're and not going to see an initial goal of like $150,000. It's oh. going to be much more reasonable. Yeah. It, we feel very attainable, not only as just a Kickstarter project, but a Kickstarter project with a massive fan base that is already really excited for something like this to come along. And so... um after the He-Man doc, what's next for uh, Faux Pop? Like, you, you're, has your Conan documentary started at all? Oh, yeah. Or we're uh, on the planning. We're 75% shot out on uh, Riddle of Steel. 
and we're waiting for... Uh, there are things that have to line up. And one of those things is we can't make this documentary until we talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And talking to Arnold is critical because for many people, he is Conan. And for that to happen, there are a number of other things that have to line up. And there's a studio involved. And are they going to put out a new Conan movie and all kinds of stuff. And that happened with Turtles as well where we got to a point we felt like we had a completed documentary and then all of a sudden <clears throat> there's Paramount's new movie and you realize, oh, okay. And so we, we don't want to get caught where we could make a Conan documentary right now and it would be a very good one, but we would sooner make a really amazing one. Um, and I think we're doing the same thing with a, uh, our Shenmue game, A Gamer's Journey on Shenmue. And we're right now in talks with William Stout, fantasy artist Bill Stout, and we're going to do a doc on him. And Rob's got two projects going right now as well. Two other I, projects, if not more. I, uh, I was gonna say, I'm trying to think of all of them at this point. So um, the next film that comes out for me is Missing Mom, in which I hit the road course, with my brother yeah. to try to find uh, my mom, who's been missing for almost 25 years. That comes out in May-ish, we're hoping. We pretty much have picture lock right now. That's what oh, I'm doing nice. the rest of the day. And then uh, the He-Man documentary, of course. I am in post-production on a rockumentary on Canadian rock band, heavy metal band, Kitty, which again is an all-girl group. So looking at the music industry from that gender perspective is going to be great. Um, I love it. And I just announced a documentary on video game box art. So discovering the artists behind these iconic images who have never basically got their, their time in the sunshine. These people have defined and propelled the industry forward, but nobody knows who has done this work. So let's connect faces and stories and look at the process and evolution of how box art has changed and the role of box art in the gaming industry and what that might be in the future and where it's come from in the past. Wow. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. And of uh -huh. course, I would point out, you look at any big franchise that's out right now, um, we'd be crazy not to try and do a doc on it, right? All of them, anything. <laughs> So you're open up to the possibility of, say, like a Captain Power documentary? or Don't even tease me, man. Don't even tease me, especially with our, our connections to Gary Goddard already. Like, come on. I, I would say if, if, we, if we looked at Captain Power, it would be the He-Man team. It would be the exact same because it's right in this. Again, it's in that sweet spot. It's in the he same. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. You know what I mean? And Gary Goddard knew what he was doing. It had that awesome transformation sequence. That would be one that I would be curious to see if the fans backed it, though. Um, obviously, He-Man has a huge legacy. Captain <clears throat> Power is kind of a Canadian thing, is by and large. Very much, very uh, much. So I wonder how much the world would want to embrace that. So that would be an interesting question to explore. And if we were to move forward with something like that, <clears throat> we'd probably do a lot more research on the viability of that project. Some funny history, when I was in film school, um, Morris Dean Wint was a young actor who was in a lot of our uh, student films, and he was in Captain Power. Very cool. Yeah. And he was also in Cube, if you remember the movie Cube. Oh, yeah, I yeah. do. Vincent... Uh, Natale. Natale. Yeah. Ryerson, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, we, would be, we would be looking at things like that. I can tell you what, another thing that Rob and I have talked about, sort of a dream documentary is uh, starts with an F, rhymes with haggle. Fraggle. Comes from a rock. <laughs> yeah. Bow, 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 yeah. Yeah, that would be great to look at that. There are especially a number of things. With, especially with that gearing up for its own big screen release. And it was in the news again not too long ago on the Muppet Forum, so. Yeah. There's never... A shortage of material to explore. It's just time, effort, energy. Well, how about this, Tom? What would you like to see? What do you yeah. think is what do you think is the thing that we're not seeing? You know what? I'm a big fan of documentaries. I would love to just see anything as long as it's done well. I just wow. um finished watching two of them. Uh one was um The Death of Superman Lives. That was a very yes, good dog. Which I thought was fantastic. I actually know John Schnapp very well. How I interviewed he, him before that came out. How did he get those interviews? Unbelievable. Yeah. Here's, you know how he got those interviews? Don't tell Sit. me he's tied with Kevin Smith. 
No. It's the same way that I got the interviews for Nintendo Quest that people said I'd never get. He reached out via Facebook. You're joking. No. It's Facebook, an email. Tim Burton? Yeah. It's one door that opens another. I think he got Colleen Atwood first, and then Colleen put a call to Tim. I couldn't. As soon as they cut to Tim Burton, I just my jaw dropped. Yeah, that you flew is, just to London for that. But course, how do you not do that interview? I would. I would fly to anywhere. Yeah. That's shocking. When you're making a doc like the kinds that we make, you, you would. There's a list of people you think. Well, we can't get him. So, yeah, and that's Tim Burton. Like I was blown away. Yeah. And he got so much time with Kevin Smith. And I've tried to get Kevin Smith's... I can't tell you how many times I've tried. And we will continue to try. <laughs> you want Kevin Smith too? Yeah. I think he would have an interesting perspective on He-Man when you talk about the canon of heroes that define generations. Yeah, he's... You want him as a pop culture... Uh, like to, An expert. Let's be yeah. honest. He's a pop culture expert. A spokesperson for a way of thinking about these important franchises. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, actually, John delayed his film quite a bit, I believe, because he was pushing and pushing for Nick Cage, which, of course, is absent from the film. But yeah. when you see the amount of effort that Mr. Cage put into Superman Lives and then where it went, why would you want to necessarily go down memory lane? And a lot of actors are like that, right? Oh, big time. They don't even want to watch the final product. They just know what it was like being present in the scene. Yeah. They have the trust that it turned out well, and they're moving on. So, Without mentioning a name, there's an actor... Uh, I've reached out to, I won't say which product, <laughs> product, project, but uh, he will not talk about things that he's done in the past. He only wants to look forward. And you find that with some people who have a lot of stuff happening. They say, or their representatives will say, we don't look back. We don't look backwards. Yeah. yeah. So there's nothing in particular, Tom, that you would like to see a documentary on that people maybe aren't thinking of? Like, pick a brand, pick a franchise, and we'll put it on the list. We'll steal your idea, just like we've stolen your interview. I hope you pick one that is not on the list right now so that I can go, (gasps) Well, Kevin Power was always one that floating around in the back of my head. I mean, obviously stuff like Cops, Central Organization. Wow, yeah. Wow. uh, (laughs) Now that is out of nowhere. Boss. That's out of nowhere. Uh, here's another one, Visionaries from Hell. I was just going to oh say my Visionaries. God. My, my goodness. And I guess along the same lines, G.I. Joe, right? Huh? Oh, I, Vision- I, that was a huge, right after Turtles, that was a huge pitch for us. Yeah. And I, I really thought that was going to be the next one. I would have bet anything we were doing G.I. Joe next. Or but. Transformers, given what's on the screen already. And yeah. Try have tried that one many times as well. Let's not do a GoBots documentary. <laughs> Micronauts. Nobody's done Micronauts. Sectoids. What do we have? Voltron and Sectoids. Sectars. All that stuff. Dino Riders. Yes, they're bringing that back from what I understand. Dino Riders, I would actually do. I would. You know what we should do that we haven't done and and Hasbro just acquired the license again to it and put it on their line and that's Mask. Yes. Mask is part G.I. Joe, part Transformers, and they have that weird like third season where it becomes Speed Racer, and it's all about like a NASCAR race circuit instead of Mask versus Venom. Like you Joe guys are so out of my league. Mask? Yeah. I don't even it's, know it's that. It's another acronym, too. Oh, so. it's M-A-S. Okay, yeah. I, oh, do, cool. I do remember that. I've Mobile seen. Artil- oh, Mobile Armored Strike that. Command. There you go. Oh. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. I would never have remembered that. See, I'm old. I'm old. We're gonna get you some playtime. It'll be fine. People say, uh, people say to me, "What would be my dream doc? How about that, Rob? What's your dream doc? Dream. I think I'm doing it. I, th- I think this I'm is doing it? it. I think He Man is is pretty much it, man. I mean, I've done one on Nintendo and I've done one on He Man. The only thing that would be kind of growing out of that would be something on Shira, like a definitive history of Shira separately. Wow. I think it's it's hard for me to define something that really hits home and has that nostalgic impact more than he-man unless hmm. and this 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 would be like the series like the the six-part one-hour oh, series yeah, the definitive history of batman okay wow. so, so for me that's where it is yeah like uh, i want to do a doc i want to do docs on the biggest possible the most interesting deepest characters that there are Sure. And go and dive all the way down to the bottom. So Batman's on top of my list. And so you'll love this book I'm reading then. Young in film, 
<laughs> you know, it's all about the the, the Jungian the archetypes, archetypes yeah. and all that. So I love I love reading stuff like that. And of yeah. course, there's massive chapters on Batman in that. Yeah, Batman. Batman is sort of like there are five there are five dreams. And uh, funny enough, Ghostbusters is one of my on my five dreams. Did you know there's a documentary coming out on uh, Ghostbusters? Right Tommy Avalone, Ghostheads. Yeah. yeah, Tommy's a friend. Yeah, and here's another one of my dream docs. And and I'm not saying anything that I think Tommy and I are talking about. There are aspects of Disney, and I won't say what, but there are aspects of Disney that haven't been touched. And there's some Disney stuff that really needs to get looked at, and that's on my dream. I love to look at their live action history. Oh. Yeah. So good, so good. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a little kid, this is unrelated, and we're under an hour, so I'll tell you this. When I was a little kid, the only way I lived in a very small town in the middle of nowhere, and the only way you could see movies was every so often on a Friday night. This company would ship a movie to, up to our town. It would be played in our school gymnasium, and this is I'm talking about like seventy four, seventy five. And they would play those old Disney live action movies with Dean Jones, like Blackbeard's Ghost, Computer War, Tennis Shoes those movies and for a certain generation of people i mean that movie was so exciting that darn cat would come and you'd be like oh my god <laughs> and go and that'd be the only way you could see that movie back then wow. so important yeah my dream job was to be an imagineer so imagine going to talk to gary goddard and finding out his background wow. unbelievable I, I think along those lines man it would be great to do a documentary and i think we're going to touch on it a little bit with the box art stuff is practical effects oh you yeah know, like so good the in-camera stuff yeah. that was so prevalent in the 80s the evolution and decline of that and how it's even starting to come back around oh yeah um, mad max you saw fury road oh yeah the use of good practical stuff. and how they combine practical and cgi and that is revolutionary but imagine doing like the definitive history of like practical effects you're just talking everything stop motion or go motion or whatever you want to call it and in camera oh and then that ties us back into the jim henson stuff and ray harryhausen yeah of course yeah and willis o'brien listen we can't even do this you're just making me crazy these are on my giant list okay don't I, i'm upset i'm upset look up i'm yeah you're crying oh no no it wasn't it was sweat well guys thanks again uh it's been wonderful and pleasure no oh, thank you tom i'm all out of questions so oh we well, broke him we broke him yep. we broke him that quickly under <laughs> in under an hour nice new record that's because he asked three questions and we talked for an hour okay no no that was awesome well listen I, I didn't realize how early it was i thought you know you guys actually you know started interviews and stuff. oh no I'm, well maybe we've we've just proven to you that you have to talk to us more times yeah yeah no definitely i'm looking forward to it Awesome. I think uh, we should definitely connect in January once the Kickstarter goes live. We're aiming for yeah. mid to late January. Of course, sure. people can get more information following us on Twitter at HeManDoc and on Facebook, facebook.com slash HeManDoc or HeManDoc.com. You can sign up for our newsletter that goes out and you'll know when these episodes, Chasing Grayskull, drop and all the other little tidbits, of course. Um, but yeah, you should definitely maybe connect with us once our <laughs> Kickstarter goes live. And Tom, maybe even once we get it all settled on our side, we'll give you a preview link. Oh, to awesome. kind of check out ahead of time, and then you can kind of maybe tease the masses with what you've discovered. Absolutely, what we want to do. I heard it here first. I heard yeah. it. Breaking exclusive on toy-lines.com. <laughs> toy-lines, isn't that what it is? It is. Toy -lines? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you call it that, Tom? Toy-lines. No, we just call it toy lines. Oh. Okay, I just yeah. want to get the URL out. No, I like that yeah. toy dash. <laughs> the toy dash. We've all done the toy exactly. dash. Exactly. That's when we've held our parents' hand as we yeah. casually walked to the front of Toys R Us, and then the second those doors open, we break, we break grip and, and we jaunt around And the people are lined up. Yeah, exactly. Hey, no joke. Dash. I've seen the Funko line at San Diego Comic-Con. It is not a joke. Toy-lines.com. Yeah, there you go. That's your spinoff site. It's your sister site. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to call it a day. And Well, let's not call it a day. Let's continue to have other parts of this day, but let's call this part complete. If you have anything final to say, please say it. Tom, anything you'd like to say to folks? Um, coming soon in Kickstarter. Look out for the He-Man documentary. And uh, we'll be following up on toylines-.com. Oh, toy-lines.com. Thank you. <laughs> our, new, our new logo. <laughs> yeah. 
And you, Rob, thoughts? I'm uh, just excited to continue the journey. And if you have questions, you want to see the direction that this documentary should head or things that you think we should include, you know, let us know. We are experts in the making. We want to know stuff. There is stuff we don't know that we know we will discover. So just mm-hmm. talking with Tom today has been a pleasure. And I look forward to episode three of Chasing Grayskull. And thank you very much. Um, I'm Randall Lobb. This is Rob McCallum. And that's Tom Romero. And we're stepping off now into the rest of our Sunday, and I hope you enjoy whatever day you're on. Take care.